I'm Sarah Cudmore from Homegrown Learning and I'm joined today by my lovely fellow home edder, Sarah. Hello. So today we are unpicking what unschooling is and how it can work. Um, but before we kind of delve into Sarah, who is an unschooler, um, let's just highlight, Sarah, what does unschooling mean to you? Um, well, we, how we do things, we sort of radical unschool, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, and there's a lot of people that are unschooling and we sort of um, taken this uh, extra little bit of radical unschooling, which we got into after we'd started the unschooling journey. So for us, radical unschooling is taking the concept that your parents to your children and, you know, when they're born, you don't teach them how to breastfeed, you don't teach them how to crawl, you don't teach them how to walk. You're just there partnering with them, creating a really beautiful environment that's safe, nourishing, enjoyable, you're loving them. And the idea is that they've got this in innate capacity to learn and get in involved with what they love and you're just there to support that and that's really what radical unschooling is um, unschooling for us unschooling was just not following any kind of formal learning or curriculum but following their passions but still putting in ideas of your own so when we were unschooling I was still buying some nice book, workbooks and saying, oh, let's do this, rather than sort of letting go a little bit more. Yeah. And I still used quite a lot of limits at that point as well. OK. And I guess like it's quite funny because um, I think a lot of people think of unschooling and, and certainly radically unschooling as being like this new terminology and this new thing. But actually, it, it definitely isn't, is it? There's mm -hmm. John Holt back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, I think was was a big part of um, of this unschooling, and actually I think it even dates back further with mm -hmm. people talking about de-schooling being a kind of unschooling yeah. version at the time. So, um, so let's go to to you and your mm -hmm. story, really, Sarah. So um, you have two children, yep, and you actually you didn't start off thinking you were going to home educate, did you? No. So. Tell us what happened for you. How did you get into home educating? I think I think the seeds were there. I think um, just who my husband and I are, it really would have been a natural evolution for us to do that. But when we looked at schools and we we heard about homeschooling a little bit, but not very much, we thought, I thought, oh my gosh, I cannot commit to doing 18 plus years <laughs> of this this is what I thought at the time and so we were like no um and we didn't really like the school system and what was there we were quite realistic about it but we thought we'd found somewhere that was the best of the bunch and that mm. actually maybe Theo could be really happy in we mm. wouldn't have um gone ahead with it if we hadn't actually thought yeah I think he he actually might really like this seemed to be quite play-based, um, there was a lot of outdoor play, um, it was just a state school but everyone seemed quite friendly and kind and we thought let's just give this a go, this this might be the way forward, so yeah. And I guess it, when you are choosing a school, the schools are so varied mm. aren't they, so you, yeah. you can actually 
on the um, you can look around schools and some schools do seem a bit more formal and some are more mm. play based so how did it get on at school what, what what where did it change for you um I think looking back um I had much less of a tolerance than my other friends who had kids at school with Theo did have um uh, and also my husband, we both had less tolerance. We both at that point in our life had a fear of authority <laughs> and we <clears throat> we wanted to make it work. We wanted to partner with the teacher to make it work. Uh, but Theo has always been a little authenticity marker for us. He sort of looks at us sometimes like, what, why would, why would you do that? And and it makes us drop all the societal baggage that we've inherited that's full of crap. And we go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Yeah, that is a load of bullshit. <laughs> and I think he he did that with school on so many levels. But we, we tried to support him to make it work. Um, but then he started to get uh, bullied by a little boy in his class who was who was really quite distressed and and just latched onto Theo um in quite a violent way and um when we tried to partner with the school around that it was all policy and procedure we're doing all the right things but they were doing nothing to keep Theo safe and Theo just said to me me one day you know he just said mummy you're not you're not doing your job <laughs> And I just, I was just like absolutely gutted um, because, you know, we took parenting really seriously. We, you know, we really did. And we thought we were doing everything we could. But it was just in that moment, I just thought there's no way I can, you know, behind the scenes, we were meeting with the teachers, trying to get it all sorted. We were doing, you know, I was going there every day. And, uh, but for Theo, it was still happening. It was still carrying on. Mm. The environment wasn't safe. And uh, it wasn't changing for him, even though we were doing all this work. And I just was like, actually, I cannot send him back into that environment. It's it's not safe. It's not a place for him. And after we took him out over the next couple of years, bit in bits and drabs, he he as he regained trust in us, because he really disconnected through the school process from us, um, and he really lost his trust in us. Um, he told us what it was like in school, what his experience was of school, was that, you know, the teachers that we thought were nice were shouting, they were unfair, they were putting people on the naughty step, they had favourites, and all this stuff he found terrifying because it was completely the opposite from our loving, nurturing environment we sort of created at home, and he'd found it terrifying and he could not understand or fathom why we thought it was okay to send him there he thought we would therefore be agreeing with that way of being and he yeah he was just so confused and beside himself so that was our experience of school <laughs> and that's why it's so hard isn't it I mean even even the most caring of mm. teachers um when you're faced with 30 children yeah. and you've got a little just one little issue to sort out yeah the time that that takes is, you know, for them is taken away from the curriculum and yeah. this delivery. And, yeah. you know, I talk to so many people that actually don't want to mm. teach like they do. No, because... absolutely. So, okay, so 
he was was he year one or yeah so he did reception um and he did year one and then we pulled him out at the end of year one with a view to just giving him some recovery time mm-hmm. um and we'd also decided to move out of london at that point and we were thinking maybe we'd look at some other options, some alternative schools, like Stein, there was a state Steiner where we were going to move, and we thought, oh, maybe that would be a good idea. But the idea was we'd have six months where we'd recover and mend our sort of relationship with him, give him time to heal. Yeah. So so the six months, did you... did you Was that like a de-schooling period? Was what happened um, during that six months for you? Well... Or was it just totally, like, actually not thinking about home educating at that point? Yeah, I mean, I just... I think with the internet, you you know, for me, as soon as I sort of think something comes into my awareness, I'm like, oh, let me read up on that. So I did dabble in. I didn't know anything about homeschooling. I hadn't met anyone who home educated. Actually, I knew one family who did, who, but followed a very school curriculum. So it wasn't something that I was interested in doing or felt was going to be helpful for Theo. So when I looked, it suggested anyone who was starting homeschooling did de-schooling, which um, the advice I'd got was have holiday, mm. do what they love and play. And it it was actually, he didn't, it was about a month before school had finished. So, um, and we had about three months before we moved and it was just, it was, it was just gorgeous it was just so lovely we reconnected just reconnecting um playing and chilling and yeah so he was five that five or six then and my little girl was three and so there was lots of fun and mm-hmm. play yeah and so do you is that is that because you did d school was that mm. the did you include that in your d school period mm. and how long did you d school for in total yeah so at that point we hadn't thought what we were going to do and then we moved and then we met some families that were um what they called they were unschoolers and so i then sort of thought well i looked at unschool i thought oh, that sounds like us that totally sounds like us um and bless them they were so sweet because we were like oh yeah we're unschooling but we were still like (laughs) thinking oh we'll do a bit of English writing and I'd feel better if we did a bit of this this would make me feel good if you were just doing a little bit of this or doing a little bit of that and bless them they weren't like you're not bloody unschooling (laughs) you're (laughs) dibbling and dabbling what you know they were really sweet but that opened up a bit more on the internet for me to look into and the suggestion was that if you if you're going to de-school for every month that you've been at school no for every year you've been at school do a month's de-schooling and that's not just the child that's the parent so for us I'd been in education formal education till I was 19 but my husband until he was uh 23 so we figured well 23 months of just letting go just playing exploring following their interests which was a lovely idea quite mind-blowing but yeah yeah Yeah, so taking all that system out of you as parents as well as the children I think I think the parent the kids because Theo hadn't been in the school system for long and he also hadn't bought into it in any which way it wasn't his personality to be a people pleaser and he thought it was a load of bullshit that he hadn't taken it on at all 
the kids didn't need any de-schooling. They were just like, wow. oh, thank God you've arrived, you know. <laughs> You're with us now. But for Paul and I, it was really challenging. We would just, we would walk along and then come up against the wall that we really had to work through. And it was so many, so much social conditioning to work through, so many fears, so much stuff that we hadn't realised that we'd taken on. And we're quite unconventional, really, in our approach to life. So it was a shock to see how much we'd bought into all of these societal and cultural norms. Yeah, mm. huge. <laughs> I, I really like that notion of, because actually when I de-schooled, I didn't think about myself as an adult yeah. and the de-schooling thing. So I think I, that's a really that's mm. a, a really good point. Um, so when you went, so then you did your de-schooling and then you decided, yes, this is, we are, are going to do mm. this we're going to home educate did you go straight into unschooling because of the family you'd met or di did you dip into trying formal things or what did that um, bit look like it looked a bit messy because I was still I still had an agenda at that point I still thought I still had some boxes to tick in my mind that oh if it looks like this then I'll feel okay yeah. you know and so I still was bringing that stuff out and bless them the kids was or Theo was still you know playing along and it I think he was just so relieved that it wasn't school he was like okay but it was so beautiful when I finally I think I read something like you know if you're a radical unschooler it's not what your picture of your child's life looks like it's theirs buy into that and when I got that I was like Oh, this is awesome. The trust between us was just, I mean, there was just nothing. I've never experienced anything more joyful than that. And that was, you know, it was so much better than that they've met all their math tasks for year one. It was just like, oh, to have that trust with your child where they just know they're accepted and approved of and I'm going to do it. I'm going to support your picture of what your picture of life is. And I also really interested in what it is. I have no idea what it is. Let me, I'm curious, let me find out that, yeah, that still is really amazing. And it's still something I have to come back to because mm. I can get a bit lost in my own shit sometimes, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. So, and you talked about like doing loads of bits on, you know, research on the internet and it is quite a minefield out there of, of stuff. But yeah. so you, some of the stuff, that you <clears throat> you used initially because mm. actually they were when when we were chatting about it mm. earlier they'd be really helpful I think so we will put that list yeah on the um on the podcast page of my website but talk us through some of mm. the things that you used that, that helped you to sort of uh, yeah because I really struggle because I'm the sort of person that really likes to chat to people to say oh da -da 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 -da, you know and work things through and I didn't have anybody like that and I found on the internet lots of people were talking about how useful that had been, that they'd had this community. And so I really, really longed for that. And actually I found the question and answer Facebook group, a question and answer unschooling, radical unschooling Facebook group, where you could just post a question, you could even do it anonymously, and really experienced, but also really empathic, realistic and compassionate sort of mums would respond and it was just so lovely to have people who had been there, could support you, you know, were there in solidarity, 
could and, and could help you move along with that journey a little bit that that has been really good resource for me um but we read the John Holt books to start with I didn't actually find them as helpful as my husband did just because mm. we've got a different way of coming at it but when I found Pamela Rickia I found her podcast just invaluable. Like I'd be cooking tea, just soaking it up. Mm. And I just, I was, it was just like going on a university course for radical unschooling. I was just like, just taking in the information and just processing and working through stuff. And it was intense. It was a real challenge. And I didn't have any real time people I could talk to about it. No. Which was hard. And we found actually, we found a radical unschooling camp, which a friend one of those families that I told you about earlier, we'd, we'd moved again by then, had told us about. And the first year we went to that was amazing, just to be around loads of other families were radically unschooling and you could just chat to people. And, you were saying yeah. actually about that, about your husband actually found that really yeah. useful because, you know, it is so often the the main person who's at home with the children sort of takes that on. But mm. it's really hard for the other person, whoever that is, isn't yeah. it? If they're not around so much to yeah. feel or see what's what's happening. So he, it was yeah. good for him. It was massive for him. I think he particularly found that, you know, when when there's personal things that you struggle with, they come up when you do something like this. And to go along to a camp where suddenly there's loads of other people and you don't feel like you're the one person that's breaking away from society doing something that you're not even sure is the right thing, there's no one to reference point it to, it was just really comforting for him. Mm. And to be able to chat to other dads too, because there were lots of other dads that, like you say, had been going at a much slower um, pace with it because they're not there every day. And often they don't see all the tiny moments that are... Um, reassuring and impactful and you don't necessarily have time to be able to share sometimes you can't even put them into words mm. um, and yeah I think speaking to other dads was really really helpful just to hear other people going through the same thing was was good yeah and actually sort of chatting about your partners kind of brings me on to the next thing I think for home educators it's such it's such a massive decision to home educate your children um, that naturally there is going to be possibly resistance from either friends, family, partner. Mm. Um, was that the case for you at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the advice is when you start unschooling or radically unschooling, don't tell your family and friends <laughs> that you're unschooling or radically unschooling because they'll just be like, what is that? Just say you're homeschooling and gradually they'll work it out. But I either missed that memo or in my normal (laughs) style probably just was like, I'm just going to say it as it is. And that was a big mistake, actually, because then it it was all very new for us. We were still de-schooling and still working it out a lot. And there we were having to make a stand for what we were doing to people who were completely doubting it and pulling it apart and needed reassurance themselves when we weren't in a strong position to do that um and I got you know we got very defensive and actually it really impacted our relationships with our parents a lot um and it was a really really hard time the time where we really wanted support from them it was the time we had that the least um and in terms of our relationship for me 
I feel like, you know, with radical unschooling, it's not just about the education aspect, it's about your whole life. It's sort of a life philosophy, really. So, you know, you don't go in, you might go into it thinking this is how we're going to educate our kids, but actually this is about how we're going to be in the world. Mm. And it calls for authenticity on so many levels that it's 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 been hard actually but if you if what you want is something really real and authentic that actually really works on a very deep level and the foundations are really good then and you're prepared to work through a lot of crap to get there <laughs> then it's worth it but at times it's been really really hard and i think particularly hard for us because you know, we live in, I guess, what other people would call remote Cornwall. There's not a radical unschooling community down here. There's not even an unschooling community. It's very sp spread out. Maybe in North Cornwall, there's a lot more people. Um, so there's not even support of people that are doing it mm. um, like we do. And so, you know, that, I think, is really, really important. If we'd have thought that's what we were going to do, we would have looked for places to live where there was a strong community. Mm. I think it's really essential and things are okay with our families now they've kind of come to terms with it we're less defensive and you know we found a way of sitting in it better and you're more experienced with what you can see that your children are like yeah. flourishing and and also we're not you know we're not I think you know you feel so you know you're, you're doing something counter-cultural and a lot of people take it personally you're not doing what they're doing and you feel like you need to defend yourself um and which means that you can't therefore be real about the challenges you're having mm. and that is really painful um, because it's not a perfect thing it's a messy thing as is all aspects of life mm. but um it's like people are like well you're doing something different you should be you, should, you know you better make sure it's you know really good you know mm. yeah do you get do you get people or did you get family perhaps that sort of um when they start to un understand a bit more about the unschooling the radically unschooling that sort of question well how are they going to get that broad learning experience does that yeah has has that played on on your mind at all and it's interesting it hasn't played on my mind so much I'm a bit of an idealist and I really trust this process and I think because I had had that like university type experience where I totally immersed myself in it I you know I love my kids so much that there's no way I would have taken the risk unless I felt like it was worth it you know this was this was the right thing to do but obviously my family hadn't been through that process and so they were worried and, and actually my partner sometimes thinks well, don't you think it would be good to make them do a few things so that they got that experience. I think that is a normal, and some of it is a valid way of thinking. Um, um, but I think after time, what my family have seen, certainly my mum, who I'm closest to, has seen, is that they get the, the opportunity to immerse themselves very mm. deeply into the thing that they're absolutely or the things that they're really passionate about and what's really fascinating about that is when you let go and allow that to happen you don't do it with the expectation that something else is going to come from it but actually what comes from it is 
loads of other things. Mm. So it's a bit like one of those pie charts with a circle in the middle and then loads of little things, arms come off it. So my son is really passionate, enthusiastic about gaming, which is the classic stereotypical <laughs> radical unschooling child and not all of them are, but he is. And um, he, through gaming, he's got so into music, but really interesting music. He's got really interested in anime. He's got really interested in exploring um, taboo subjects, cultural norms, cultural mm. um, issues, war, Napoleonic war. I mean, it just goes on. There's probably loads that I don't even know about, but these are the things that I've noticed. Grammar, massive one. He's always correcting people. It's quite embarrassing correcting his friends about grammar when they're writing. You know, his typing... I mean, it's bonkers, isn't it, sir? Yeah, like how fast it really he is. types is insane. I mean, I've you know he's not learned that he's just learned that going along, um, and it's given. Yeah. It's almost like I can see it. I, I I know your children, and it it's 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 given them the thirst for learning. So it, it kind of, I guess you might might feel safe in the fact that whatever they want to learn, they 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 will give. They've mm. got that thirst to do it. Mm. It's not because it's kind of not being forced down their throat. So Yeah, and I think my I certainly see my role, which is, you know, I've had to shed a few skins <laughs> of what I thought I should be and what I thought I would they needed to give them space to explore that themselves. But what I'm understanding now my role is, and this has been a journey, is to be really in touch with what my needs are and to to follow what my interests are and to create this really rich learning environment where I'm, you know, Sandra Dodd coined this term strewing. So, like, I go out for a walk with the dog and I find loads of grass seeds and I might just put them on the table and I get back, not expecting the kids to pick them up and do anything with them, and sometimes they don't. Um, The other day I was knitting and I had all of this beautiful wool out, which I, you know, it's lush, I love it, and Bella suddenly so she's six she suddenly just grabbed some of the wool and she was making these like you know she's passionate about her soft toys and animals and she was making these she opened the window and put the wool outside and she put bait on the end to capture more teddies and bring them into a teddy world so I think you know by me and my husband you know we're both really creative that's our sort of thing being creative and bringing in our passion for learning and exploring and curiosity that tips off into that gives them permission to do that too and there's no expectation that that's going to happen that's the hard thing it's like you know you might start off knitting because you think oh maybe they'll start knitting or they might (laughs) start creating something with some wool I certainly was in that place when I first started but now I'm knitting because I love it I've got no idea whether they'll either notice it but they do on some level. Mm. On some level, it they you know it's doing something. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful, actually, mm. really. And I think it's 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 totally it's it's totally real. And I think like having had the experience of like the national curriculum, which is not built for the future. It's actually mm. we d- we don't know what that what that future will look like mm. for these children. But if they've got that deep immersive love of learning and that creativity which is missing from so many Mm. young children these days you know 
that's what universities, that's what businesses are calling out mm. that they want from these young people. So it does sound like you're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we were, we were, we were, um, so actually I was going to chip in there and talk about the app. Mm, so, yeah. so the app um, sort of helps unschoolers um, to, to store that evidence, store that progress mm. of their children. Um, but you can use that sort of not, not against the mm. national curriculum. So you're actually, so those, those really beautiful moments where you want to just group some of those creative mm. things into into subjects but just as a way of storing them to be able to see the progress can happen for mm. for unschoolers as well as for um those that perhaps um are formally learning it yeah i think that's really good because i mean there is a reality that things are changing on the homeschooling front anyway and the need to maybe provide evidence and document stuff um for the government local councils etc I think the app is a really good way of being able to do that without having to force unschooling into looking a certain way mm. so I think it would be helpful thank you <laughs> um so the other thing we were gonna just touch base mm. on was was that sort of um uh topical subject with home educating mm. anyway is about like socialization and and that kind of thing do you think do you think for unschoolers does it look different? Mm. Um, how does it feel kind of when you're thinking about sort of attending groups and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a massive question. I think, as I mentioned before, that as unschoolers or radical unschoolers or even homeschoolers, we're doing something that's not of the norm, so people are expecting it to look good. And so I think even within our own community, we're not being honest about the challenges because you mentioned social people are so fed up of people going oh your kids must be so isolated that they're like no no but actually the reality is for my family and this will be very very different from other radical unschoolers certainly the the town that we used to live in there's a thriving radical unschooling community might ask myself why we left that town <laughs> but um where we are now, like I mentioned before, there isn't. And socialising for my son is challenging because he wants to be around people that accept him. And he understands on a very basic level when people disapprove of him, even if they don't say it. And um, he doesn't want to be around those sorts of people. And it doesn't mean he wants to be with people that game all day, but he wants to be with people who get him and aren't afraid of stuff and, and he doesn't have to deal with what he sees as the pettiness that that people kind of bring in and he wants to say to someone oh do you want to come over to play and their parents aren't like yeah but as long as he's not going to be on the computer you know mm. that's really that would be really painful for him because he's because that is a huge part of what he loves and wants to share with people to so yeah you can be his friend but you can't you know, you can't share that. So, and he gets that. And so, socialising is definitely more challenging. There's less of a pool of people down here. And then within that pool, he might not even click with those people. Mm. So we are finding it challenging. He's got amazing online friends. And I know a lot of people, and even us when we started, we're like, 
We just want him to have real friends in real life, but they are real people. Yeah. And he is getting so much from them, and I would love to see them in person. I'd love them to be bustling around our house, and I'd love him to be going into their house. That's not the reality, and at least he's got them, and we're working really hard to sort of build that, but it's, it's definitely not what we want and what we hope for. But it's better than what he had at school. Mm. He had great friends at school, social element was great but he would prefer not to go to school anyway and I think in all honesty we wish there was a school where they would love to go because that would be awesome mm. and where where it was a wonderful place to be and explore life and hang out with your friends that you love that would be great but it doesn't exist in my book so this is the best option and with my little girl, it's okay because, you know, she's got different passions and she's made, you know, she's made friends with um, kids who aren't radical and schoolers. It doesn't matter so much because mm. she, I don't know, maybe she's younger or the gaming isn't a, one of her passions, but, you know, she's got different needs and, and they're able to be met at, at, at different groups with different I do people. think it's, it's, I mean a lot of it actually does come down to location because you know Cornwall is so mm. remote you you meet people and they are traveling sometimes an hour to go to a group yeah. and but it is but at the same time um home educating is becoming bigger and we're seeing more and more people joining yeah. different groups yeah, more people and are moving, yeah. so hopefully for your son over time that will that will give him more options but yeah i you know it is it is hard but um I do think as well, it's not just... I think people are like, oh, you know, you're radical unschoolers and that's bang, that's it. But I think there's so many different additions to that. Mm. So you might be radical, but, we're, you know, it's like also what are our values? Because you're going to want to hang out with people with the same values. You know, like we love, you know, just long, lazy days at home where people come over and it's not a big occasion and you're just grazing food and playing. That's like our perfect... So you've got to find people who want that same thing too. And that's not just, like, there might be radical unschoolers that hate that idea. So it's not just like, oh, we're radical unschoolers. Like, you know, you've got, it's about being it's about people, finding isn't your, it? Finding your tribe, it's isn't about, it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Um, and so I guess as well, when you when you think about the kind of socialisation of school, mm. actually, you know, people sort of, deem that to be good for children mm. but actually in reality they're kind of segregated into these age groups and actually mm. that's you know it's, it's actually a really beautiful thing when you see home mm. educators and you see like 12 13 year olds helping playing mm. with five-year-olds and and I, I you know from my my background in school I always felt quite sad that it was all yeah. kind of made up like that really yeah. but um yeah, it's interesting because that's been my daughter's experience and the value of having like a 10-year-old showing her how to do cartwheels and be her big sister and then has been beautiful. But for my son, he just wants boys of his own age, boys or girls of his own age and a little bit older to hang out with and mm. that that is different. So I think it is an individual thing. And I think when I started homeschooling, all I heard was what you've just said, oh, it's the beauty of like having all these angels. And I had this picture, this ideal, oh, that's what it is, but my son didn't fit into that. No. And so then you feel a little bit like, oh. and I think, but I think there's a lot of people who don't fit into that, 
that sort of um, mainstream idea of homeschooling yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and do you think there's any advice that you would give anyone? You know, from your experience, mm. any advice that you'd give anyone going into unschooling? Mm. I don't know about advice. I still feel very inexperienced, and we're still de-schooling. I mean, we've only been radically unschooling for two years so we've probably just coming out the other side of that the advice I would give is I think community is absolutely massive and if you can't create that in real life get really hooked into something that you can find helpful online mm. because you really, really need that. <clears throat> um, and what we didn't do, the other thing that we didn't do is we literally went from one day to the next day, we removed all limits on bedtime, screens, food, da 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 da, da. And the, the, the absolute massive advice is do not do that. Go gradually, go slowly. If something's working... You know, like if your kids go to bed at 7.30 and they love that and they get a fresh night's sleep and they wake up at 7.30, you get an evening, it all works for you, don't mess with that. Our bedtimes weren't working, so we, we you know, we looked at that. <laughs> but we did go literally hardcore just one day to the next and that was really intense. So I would say, I think Sandra Dodd says this, you know, do a little, change a little, play a little, change a little, do a little, play a little, something like that. That's and nice. just go really slowly because it is really, really intense. Mm. Find at least one person that you can talk to that's a bit further along the path than you and, um, you know, understand that you're going to hit a lot of fears and stuff and that doesn't mean I think that's when a lot of people go oh it's not for us actually it's a really good sign and just push through because there's so much gorgeousness along the way that's so much worth it's worth diving into all that stuff and that kind of brings me to the end really come on give us a give us your best bit for the uh my best bit hmm. of the journey so far because it's ever changing isn't mm. it anyway <laughs> yeah I think one of the best bits is I think one of the best bits is is been finding myself really I think giving my kids permission to be themselves fully in all their glory has given me permission to find myself and then when we both meet in that space and we look at each other in the eye and it's like total crazy honesty and I'm being a bit of a like you know craziness and they're just like yeah that is mighty it's I mean it's you just immediately I'm like how do I recreate this again you know oh my gosh you know but yeah it just happens it's just so beautiful that's one of the that's one of the real real gifts just this deeper relationship than I've ever experienced or imagined was sort of possible and it is it's, it's amazing um 
Just made my little hairs on my arms go yeah, up. Yeah, and I think I think that has happened for my husband and I. I think, yeah, I think it it means our relationship is much deeper and, and much more real, and we've learned to listen and communicate with each other so much better than we would have known how to. I think. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you. Um, thank you for your time today, oh, Sarah. Thank you. I hope you lovely listeners have found that useful today. And um, if you've got any further questions that you want to ask, email them in for the question and answer sessions. Um, and until then, keep calm and carry on with the journey. <laughs>